Shalom, mishpacha. Shalom, family. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. With the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form what Paul calls one new man, one new humanity, which is the full dwelling place of God by his spirit. <laughs> That's what it says in the second chapter of Ephesians. And God's been waiting a long time for this middle wall of separation to come down because there's that ancient spiritual Jewish DNA which merges into the new covenant spiritual Gentile Christian DNA and the two form the full dwelling place of God by his spirit. Getting ready, Mishbucha, to blow the grandest shofar. Oh, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere, to be red hot for the Messiah. And if you haven't noticed lately, we must be in the last of the last days. I mean, the whole world is shaking financially. But my guess says that God has specifically shown him that he's not affected by the financial systems of this world. And as a matter of fact, this is going to be his finest hour uh, for raising money for the sake of spreading the gospel. And I want to find out what secrets God has shown Todd Kuntz, because Todd, my Bible says that God's not a respecter of persons, and what he'll do for one, he'll do for all. I want to take you back as a young child, because being Jewish and having been saved uh, when I was 30 years of age, I have to tell you, you're doing what the Gentile believer is supposed to do, provoke the Jew to jealousy. Uh, but at a young age, you heard God's voice. Uh, what, a, what a valuable, wonderful gift. Yes, yes. I, t I tell you, I'm, uh, of course, I'm thrilled to be here on the radio show with you, Sid, and all that you're doing for the gospel and for the Jews. And, uh, but from an early age, I heard the voice of God and uh, his calling on my life. And your mother, of course, uh, was an intercessor, but she put up with a lot. You, uh, you were kind of hyperactive, and you had to have Ritalin several times a day. And is it true that you were voted the least likely to succeed two times? <laughs> it's hard to believe now when I look at my life and how good God's been to me. But, uh, yes, I was hyperactive. I was on Ritalin three times a day. I was voted least likely to succeed twice. I flunked the second grade twice. I had reading problems, math problems. I had a speech impediment. And uh, my own grandmother, I say laughingly, told everyone that he'll never amount to anything. But said I had a mother, an intercessor, a prayer warrior who even prays for me uh, every day now, who said, Todd, it doesn't matter what people say about you. With God's help, you can do anything, you can be anything, and nothing can stop you with God on your side. Well, in 1990, uh, it's no wonder with all the baggage you had, even with a praying mother, uh, you, you were really struggling. You were struggling financially, uh, and God spoke to you. What did he say? You know, Sid, I was saved when I was 10, and I preached. I was healed a second night when I was 10 of hyperactivity, and I wanted to mention, too, because I think the listeners need to hear this, 
the gospel that not only saves you is the gospel that also heals you, according to Isaiah 53, 5 and 1 Peter 2, 24. But I laid my bottle of pills of Ritalin on the altar, and I said, God, if you can save me, you can heal me. And God completely healed me that night, and I never took another pill. But on the third night, I preached my first message at the age of 10, and that's when I really began to realize that God had a very unique calling and anointing on my life. And uh, so several years went by, and we we're up to 1990 now, and God began to speak to me about a great wealth transfer. Of course, we know in Proverbs it says the wealth of the sinners laid up for the righteous. We know about the principles of increase in the Bible, Deuteronomy 28. The problem was I wasn't seeing any of those blessings in my life. I was, I was on the brink of bankruptcy. And uh, my car was almost repossessed. I was poor. My electric was turned off. I mean, I was struggling financially when God spoke a phrase to me one day that changed my life. He said, Todd, to get what I have, you have to do what I say. That's too simple, <laughs> you know. It, it was. I mean, it, it, Now, at the time, just to make it a little clearer for those that are listening, you had an income of about 800 a month. You had expenses of 1500 a month. Your car was being repossessed. Uh, you must have had uh, horrific family problems with the pressure of finances. Uh, so you were desperate. Yes, very desperate. I had come to the end of my road. You know, a lot of, a lot of us as Christians and believers, we don't understand that there's actually two parts of the gospel. There's the person of Jesus that brings us salvation and gets us ready for heaven. But then there's the principles of Jesus that he taught that prepare us to live on earth and prepare financial prosperity for us. I knew him as my Lord and Savior, but I had not surrendered my finances to him. I did not know him as my Jehovah Jireh. And that was my fault because I wasn't doing what the Bible said to do. Okay. So he says this to you. What do you do with these words? Well, when I was sitting there, I was looking uh, how it all came about. Uh, I was in financial de devastation. I was under great, great pressure. But I was looking at this stack of unpaid bills, equal in 1500 a month with an income of 800 a month. And I was saying, God, uh, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. I can't imagine how a God that has so much would give me so little. And that's when the Holy Spirit said, to get what I have, you have to do what I say. And I began to search the Bible. I began to scour the Word of God to find out what does the Bible say about money? What does the Bible say about blessing? And interesting enough, I discovered that there are promises in the Bible for God to bless us. There are, uh, there's actually a blessing chapter in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 28, where God says He'll, the blessings will overtake us if we'll obey and be obedient. And I began to learn about the law of Genesis, the law of reciprocity, which literally changed my life. And that was basically the turning point when I made a decision that I would take a portion of my income and I would begin to sow it. I begin to give it back into the work of God. That was the critical moment when things began to turn around for me. Out of curiosity, were you not giving uh, tithes to a local church or to ministries at that point? You were giving nothing? Sadly, I was giving nothing. Even though I understood the tithe in Malachi 3, and I understood uh, Luke 6:38, I was making so little, and my bills were so much, I just didn't feel like I could afford to do it. 
And so I, my thinking was, and you know, so many listening right now uh, are probably in this scenario. I was thinking, God doesn't need my little bit of money. But Sid, it was never about my money. It was never about that. It was about obedience. It was about obeying him. Because God's a loving father. He wants to give. He wants to bless. But it's all about faith and obedience. You know, one of the phrases that really changed my life is that God's not moved by need. He's moved by our faith. Oh, that's so important. You better say that again, because there are so many people that are saying, well, that's good for Todd Kuntz, but I've been tithing my whole life, and I need money desperately, and I can tell you that I'm glad the tithing deal worked for Todd, but it hasn't worked for me. Well, you know, Malachi chapter 3, and it's the only place in the Bible that God says, prove me, prove me. Return the tithe into the storehouse. Bring your offerings. And God says, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't contain. And when we, when we give or we sow seed or we tithe, we return a portion of our income back to God. It's not that God needs it. It's just it's a seed of honor. It's, it's acknowledging that God is first in our life. You know, there's a law called the law of sequence. What you do first determines what happens next. And God says, if you'll do this first, if you'll honor my word, if you'll obey me, I will then bless what you have. I'll bless what you do through favor and through contacts and promotions. And, and you know, of course, this program's the program about supernatural. God will do supernatural things, things that we can't explain. Uh, okay, I hear you say that. I know God does it in your life, and I might add, God does it in my life. But what about the person listening now that says, I have tithed my whole life, and I can't pay my mortgage. I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to lose my car. And so many people are in that scenario right now. And I talked a few moments ago about the two parts of the gospel, the person and the principles. There are principles of finance that we've got to adhere to. There are laws of money that we've got to obey. So, so are you saying someone could tithe and because they're missing it in some other areas, uh, that's why they're hurting so badly right now? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. See, we've been, we've been taught about prayer, and we've been taught about fasting, we've been taught about uh, miracles and healing, and all that's part of the gospel, and thank God for that. But there's a part of the gospel that nobody's been taught, and that's financial stewardship. That's how to handle God's money. And, and that's part of my calling. That's part of what I do as a financial teacher. Okay, based on you obeying God, you said your life changed forever financially. Uh, can you give me a, a kind of a encapsulate where you are today as a result of using the principles God has taught you? Well, I'm debt-free, for one thing. I'm debt-free, and I'm not homeless. You know, I say laughingly, anybody can be debt-free, just give away everything and live on the street. But I'm debt-free and living an abundant life uh, through my life. And not to brag on me, but I'm wanting the viewers to understand and the listeners to understand that last year alone, through my life and ministry, provided over a million meals to the hungry. And I hope we talk about this, too, because there's so many parts of financial stewardship. And one of the great turnarounds in my life that really brought great blessing was not just blessing Israel, blessing the people of Israel, but in Isaiah 58, 
It says, if you extend your hand to the poor, your light will shine in obscurity. So there's several parts in this, but I would challenge everyone listening today to make God your total source of supply. I'm sorry, we're out of time right now, but you listen this week. I really urge you to, and I urge you to get his two books and his special CD. You see, Todd has a gift of imparting great faith, not faith, great faith to believe for anything, especially in the financial arena. And it doesn't matter where you're starting from. It doesn't matter whether you have much money uh, to start with. These principles are God principles. They will work for you. We're making the two books and the CD available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. How many people do you, children do you feed? Last year, uh, over a million. The, The emphasis isn't on feeding the million children. The emphasis is how much money I'm going to get. And, and it turns me off, frankly. Boy said, I can understand that. And there are so many, even today, and I'm many of the listeners who are turned off by that. And hopefully today we can, we can maybe uh, answer some of the questions and concerns they may have. And, and part of the, one of the things I want to do today is I want to help, help the listeners understand that uh, there is a right way. There is a Bible way of prosperity. There is a, there is a blessing by obeying God. But, and I want to emphasize this more than anything else. Uh, let me just interject this. Many Christians have thrown out the baby with the dirty bathwater, and let's stop it. We can't afford to do it anymore. Exactly. Well, we have to get the gospel back into our giving and our sowing. We've got to make God priority. And, uh, and that's part of not just uh, perpetuating the gospel in Matthew 28, but it's part of fulfilling God's divine instruction. You know, Sid, the first instruction that God gave Adam and Eve in Genesis 1.28, was to multiply, increase, and subdue the earth. God blessed them before he ever told them to do this. So he enabled them long before they ever began to multiply and increase. But we cannot, we cannot fulfill Matthew 28, the last instruction Jesus gave us, unless we're multiplying, unless we're increasing. But we've got to understand that God's not a Santa Claus. He's not to be manipulated. But there are principles that he's established, and if we do what he says to do and obey him, he will bless us. Now, I, I used the, uh, the stereotype uh, a- analogy of the man who gets on TV and says, if you will send a do- $1,000 right now, uh, your whole life will be transformed. Actually, that happened to you. Tell me what happened to you. You were watching TV one day. What happened? It's happened more than once in my life. You know, I began to learn about a principle in the Bible, the principle of Genesis. It's the principle of first. It's called the law of seed time harvest. And when you look at Genesis 8.22, as long as the earth remains, there'll be seed, there'll be time, there'll be harvest. And then you connect it to Galatians 6.7, be not deceived, God's not mocked, whatever you sow, you'll reap. Then you look at Galatians 6, 9, it says, do not be weary in well-doing in good things you're doing. 
because in due season you will reap if you faint not. I was going through a time in my life of great financial loss, a time when I wasn't making ends meet, a time when I was struggling, times when I didn't have money. My heart was towards God. I was even a preacher preaching, seeing people saved and healed. But said the only part of the gospel that will work for you or for the listeners right now is the part that you believe. Many, many believe parts of the gospel that others do not believe. I believe God as my Savior. I believed him as my healer because we talked about it yesterday. God healed me of being hyperactive, ADHD, taking Ritalin three times a day. Yet as a young preacher in my 20s, I did not believe God as my Jehovah Jireh. And I heard a man of God work with my faith, my believing, and said, if you would set aside, he called it an uncommon seed, a $1,000 seed, and you would sow it into the work of God. And said, what stood out to me was he was saying, help spread the gospel around the world. Help feed hungry children. Help men broken lives. All right. All right. Did, you, did you feel an inclination from God to give at that moment, or did you give because that's a good thing to give to? Which was it? The first thought I had was, this is a good thing to do. I need to be part of this. And that's when God spoke to me, and God said, I want you. He was actually asking for 70 to sow a $1,000 seed, and God said, I want you to be one of the 70. And said, I, you know, I knew God's voice, and I immediately responded, and I planted the $1,000 seed. And what happened as a result, and how long did it take, in, uh, out of curiosity? I, I, you know, this is a program about the supernatural. I mean, supernatural things began to happen. Within 24 hours, literally, the heavens opened up on my life. Within seven days, God connected me to a man who literally has sent me around the world to preach the gospel. God's given me favor to date with over six people who are blessing me and said, one of the six was a businessman who decided to send me monthly checks every single month via FedEx. Every month, a woman would come to my home with a FedEx envelope, and I would open up the envelope, and there would be a check. It was a sizable check. It was a check that anybody would be happy to see. This happened month after month after month. I say kind of laughingly, she came to my house so much that even my wife began fighting me over the opening the envelope. I said, don't open the envelope. I like to open it. And she says, well, I like to open it too. But God began to bless me like I'd never been blessed in the history of my life. I was telling my mother about it. And, you know, my mother is my number one prayer warrior. Without her, I wouldn't be here today. She believed in me, prayed, even prayed for me every day now, intercedes for me. But I was talking to her on the phone and I was telling her about my, my miracle harvest from the $1,000 seed I planted and about the FedEx. And I said, Mom, every time I see FedEx, I get real excited. And she said, oh, son, she says, God's not through blessing you yet. God's probably going to use UPS next. And, and Sid, it was, it, was, uh, it was almost nonchalant with her, like everybody gets checks via FedEx. But within 24 hours, there's a knock at my door, and there stood the UPS woman. I opened up the envelope, and there was a very sizable check, I mean a large check. And that resulted 
from a thousand dollar seed into the work of God. It was it was supernatural, like nothing I've ever known. What you're saying begs another question. There are many that watch uh, ministers ask for money, and the ministers give money, but it seems, and they're getting planes one from another. It seems like it really works for the ministers that have this revelation. Uh, but what about the average Joe, the average person? Does this really work for them? I know it works for the big ministers. Boy, that's a, that's a good question, because I know there's there's many listening today asking themselves this. I, I mean, I watch on TV and I hear top evangelists say, well, this minister gave me a plane and then that minister and they're all kind of friends and they give planes to each other. And I have to be candid with you. Makes me a little cynical. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just saying what a lot of people are thinking. But let me say this. And this is where I come from. When I look at the Bible and I look at Deuteronomy 28, the blessing chapter, Sid, if we're going to throw out Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given back to you, then how can we trust God with John 3.16? If we can't trust God with our finances, how can we trust him with our soul? If God lied about money and blessing, what makes us think he hasn't lied about heaven? And Sid, I want to say this to all the listeners, and I want to challenge them to use their faith and to focus on God as their Jehovah Jireh, not another man, not a person. Well, well you know, I've always felt when people are forced to do that, uh, they, they, they realize that God is there and God provides. Uh, but most people are someone that gets sick and they get their healing, then they, then they understand that realm, and they can move in it. But we're coming into a time in the history of the U.S. where the dollar could be worth nothing, where if we have to rely on the world system, we're not going to make it. Well, you know, my background is not only as an evangelist being saved and healed at the age of 10, but I've had over 20 years in the financial business as a professional financial advisor and teacher. I really believe God's called me into the body of Christ to teach biblical economics. And Sid, there's two systems of prosperity today. There's the world system of prosperity that's based on greed. Get all I can, can all I get. But then there's God's system of prosperity based upon giving and obedience. When we do it God's way, God will honor it. God will bless us. And I'm, I'm with you on this. I do believe that there are even more difficult economic times coming. But as a believer, we have got to come back to the Bible. What does the Bible say about our finances? And we've got to make God our source, make him our Jehovah Jireh, not man, not the employer, not Wall Street, not even Washington. We've got to make God our source. And when we give to God's work, when we sow seed, we need to do that knowing that God is going to take care of us because he is our source of supply. Now, Todd Kuntz, is it possible for God's blessings to chase someone? Tell me one person that that happened to. I like that. <laughs> oh, I'm that person. God's blessings have been chasing me down. And you know, Deuteronomy 28 and verse 8 says, The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee. God's commanded blessings is not just for the Jewish people, but it's for everyone that's been grafted in to the family of God through the cross. And yes, 
the blessings of God can and will overtake you if you obey his voice. Uh, tell me about that woman that planted seed and in 72 hours, what happened to her? I've seen so many people. And, and you here. call that, by the way, you call that a blessing attack. There, there are many people listening to us that want a blessing attack. <laughs> I mean, why do you use such a strong word? <laughs> Have you ever heard of a heart attack? I call it a blessing attack. I like that better. <laughs> <laughs> There's a woman sitting in church on a Sunday morning. She had heard me talk about making God your source of supply, sowing seed into God's work with expectation. And she was thinking about seeds or finances she's given into the work of God and hadn't received a harvest. And she simply said, God, I'm going to believe in Deuteronomy 28 that the blessings are going to chase me down. And that's all she said. It was just a prayer. Within 72 hours, she received a call from a businessman who said, can you come into my office? She said, yes. She walked into the office, sat down, and he looks across the desk and says, I want to bless you today, and begins to write her a check for $10,000. She was excited. She was elated. Then he stops in the middle of writing out the check and tears it up and says, I've got to give you more. This is not enough. And then proceeds to write out a check for $12,000. Well, she's holding the check in her hand. She's just beside herself. She's, she's excited. She's saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. She begins to walk out of the office. And the business, Sid, the business owner begins to follow her and says, wait a second. This is not enough. I need to give you more. And she's turning as she's walking out the door saying, no, no, you've already been too good to me. You're already, I don't, you've already been too good to me. He proceeds out into his vehicle, pulls out from his glove department, an envelope filled with $100 bills and begins to count them out in her hands. I call that a blessing attack. Uh, I, w I would call that too. Now, there's a connection between you and a man that has recently been promoted to heaven, Oral Roberts. You saw him on television, and uh, you heard him say a, a, a profound statement that had a great impact on you. What was that statement? I was sitting in my bed. I was watching television. I was watching Dr. Oral Roberts being interviewed on television, and he made this statement. He said, within the earth right now is everything you'll ever need, want, or desire. It's just waiting for you to harvest it. Then the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that still, still small voice and said, yes, the harvest comes from the earth. But the only voice that the earth responds to is the voice of a seed. And then I was reminded about Genesis 8:22. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time harvest. Think about it, Sid. Everything that we harvest today has come from the earth. Trees, oil, gas, diamonds, wood, everything has come from the earth. And God says as long as the earth remains, the the supernatural miracle operation of seed time harvest would be in effect. And when I heard that, something leaped inside of me. And I said, yes, all I need to do is sow seed into good soil, and I can reap a harvest from it. Now, just out of curiosity, if you sow seed into good soil and you reap a harvest, you'll reap a harvest of money. What if someone is dying of cancer right now? What kind of seeds should they sow? 
I believe with all of my heart, just because you sow financial seed doesn't always mean you'll reach a, reap a financial harvest. I believe a, a seed is everything. I believe everything in your life can be a seed. The time that we're talking here together is a seed. The listeners listening right now, that's a seed listening. I believe a harvest, it can be also everything too. When God, when God heals you, that can be a harvest. When God saves you, that's a harvest. When God protects you. Sid, how many of us have been protected even today as we're driving to work from maybe an accident that we didn't see, but God protected us supernaturally? I think that we're harvesting and sowing every day of our life. Sometimes we just don't recognize it as a seed or a harvest. Okay, uh, going back to what Oral Roberts said, it also motivated a prayer. You prayed that you would get Oral Roberts' mantle and at least be able to talk to him. Uh, how long did that take to be answered? That's probably one of the most supernatural things that happened in my life during my lifetime. I'm 45 years old today, been serving God since I was 10. I would say that's one of the top three most supernatural things that ever happened to me because I did not know Oral Roberts. I had no connection to Oral Roberts. But within within just a few months, God connected me to a person who knew Oral Roberts. And it probably was within 60 days. I think it was within probably 30 or 40 days. I was sitting in Dr. Roberts' home, looking at him as he talked with me. You know, that day I prayed a prayer and I said, God, I said, I don't know how you're going to do it. But before Dr. Roberts goes home to be with you, I want to meet him. And I want him to lay his hands on me, and I want to have the mantle that's on his life. And God did exactly that. Well, I, I can tell you, as you're saying that, I'm trembling in the Holy Spirit. I, I, Dr. Roberts gave you some more keys. What, if, if you had to pull the biggest key he taught you when you got to meet him person to person and he laid hands on you, uh, what would that be? The first time I ever met Dr. Roberts— we probably had about a 30-minute conversation. He laid his hands on me, prayed for me. He signed my Bible. The Bible that I preach out of today has his signature in it. He placed two scriptures in there. And one of the scriptures was in Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. It says that God is the Lord of the harvest. And when I was walking out of his house that first time, he said, Todd, if I were you, I would study the Lord of the harvest. In later conversations, he explained to me that when God describes himself, he doesn't describe himself as the God of the seed, although he provides seed to the sower, but he describes himself as the Lord of the harvest. And one of the greatest things he ever taught me was that. And with that, he's told me one day, he said, Todd, Christians have learned how to sow, but if the gospel's going to be preached throughout the world, Christians have got to learn how to receive a harvest from God. Uh, wait a second. I don't have to learn how, if you wanted to give me $10,000 right now, I don't have to learn how to receive it. I don't understand what you're saying. There are many people, and Sid, this may be shocking, but in Christianity, we know how to give. Some of the greatest givers in the world are Christians. Missionaries are being supported. Children are being fed. The gospel is being preached because of the generosity of Christians who are tithing, who are sowing, who are giving. Sadly, most of them have not been taught 
how to make God their total source of supply, how to sow seed with expectation that God will be good to them, that God will give them back a harvest. Are, are you telling me that I could pl- I, I could give money, and if I don't have the expectation or or the faith that God is going to give me a harvest, uh, I may not receive it? Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. Your your seed is what God multiplies. You have to give him something to multiply, but it's your expectation and faith is why he multiplies it. You know, Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, without faith we can't please God. But then it goes on and says something much more than that. It says you must first believe that he is, and then it says, and this is expectation, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We can't just give and sow seed. We have to diligently expect God to be good to us. You know, I probably don't have enough time to tell you this, but I had a major breakthrough in my life, personal life, in reference to giving and receiving. And let me tell you about it briefly. Uh, I met a jeweler in Israel, unsaved Jewish man, and I really wanted to win him to the Lord. And somehow I said to him, you know, I could buy a watch in your store, but I believe God's going to give me a watch if I pray for it. And that was about three months ago. And I had a, an unction, if you will, to give away. A, a, I, had, I only wear uh, two rings. One ring is my wedding ring, and the other was a ring that had a great meaning to me that I also got in Israel. I gave it away, and within 48 hours, two people gave me watches. It was sort of like I somehow broke the logjam by being obedient. Exactly, exactly. Here's a statement I would urge everyone listening to to write this down, think about it, not to forget it. The only proof of faith is obedience. Hmm. The only proof of faith is obedience. God's not moved by need. Sid, if God was moved by need, none of us would have a need. But God is moved by faith, and the only proof of our faith is obedience. And when God speaks to you to give away a rain, or to help somebody that's hurting. I don't know what the instruction will be, but God will speak to you every day to do something as a seed. If you'll obey him, God will return it to you somehow, some way. It won't always be money. It may be in another form of a harvest, but he will return it to you. Our time has slipped away again, but Mishpucha, you can tell. Todd has been raised up by God for this moment in history because we are coming into a time, if you are not 100% dependent on God. You're going to be like everyone else. Not only will you not survive economically, you won't be a blessing to the gospel. And I know you want to be. So we've put together his what I consider his two best books and CD. It's probably the most popular teaching CD he's ever done. In fact, he told me that it was. He has a special gift of imparting great faith to believe God for anything. And we're making this gift available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, one 800 447 2697 
Todd, I remember the time when you were struggling. You're making $800 a month. Your bills were $1,500 a month. Your car was being repossessed. God spoke to you. You started doing what he said. But then came a point where God told you to buy flowers for your wife. Tell me about that. Oh, that's, a, that's an amazing testimony. That's really, I've got the, one of the books that we'll be talking about today is Please Don't Repo My Car, How My Financial Life Changed in 24 Hours. And that happened when I was sitting on a sofa looking at a stack of unpaid bills that equaled $1,500 a month. Sid, my income was only 800 a month. I was making $200 a week. You know, as a financial advisor, we all know that if your outgo exceeds your income, it will be your downfall. And that's basically where I was at. I was frustrated at that time, very frustrated with God, because I didn't understand. And I remember telling God this, Lord, I don't understand how you can have so much and I would have so little. And that's when the Holy Spirit spoke a phrase to me that changed my life. And it was, a, it was an invitation, I say, to obey him. He said, Todd, to get what I have, you have to do what I say. Said I had made God Lord of my life. I knew him as my Savior. I had given him my calling on my life because I was a preacher. Yet I had never surrendered my money, my finances. I didn't know him as my Jehovah Jireh. You know, I knew scriptures in the Bible, Genesis 8:22. As long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time harvest. I knew Luke 6:38, give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall God cause men to give back to you. You know, you give once, but you re- receive from God seven times in Luke 6:38. Yet I wasn't giving my money to God. I wasn't tithing in Malachi chapter 3 into the storehouse, helping spread the gospel. Because I didn't feel like I had anything to give God. I wasn't even able to pay my bills. I was under incredible financial stress, and I was frustrated. But I was at the end of my rope. And I remember sitting there, and this has been over 20 years ago. I remember sitting there, and I said, God... I will give a portion of my income back into your work. And that's the day my life changed financially. Out of curiosity, how much did you give at that time? Well, I began to set aside, you know, I'm making $200 a week, $800 a month. I began to set aside the tithe, which was $20 a week. Said I tell people that I broke the back of poverty with a $20 seed sown consistently week after week. That's when my life began to change. Okay, so tell me about the word you got on flowers. Well, uh, it wasn't long after this, and I need to address this because there's many listening today who are really facing some financial uh, dilemmas. Their back's against the wall, and they know God as their Savior, but they haven't really looked into the Bible. They haven't practiced the Word of God on biblical economics and the law of giving and receiving, sowing and reaping, the law of reciprocity, like I wasn't doing. And many listening right now that you are struggling because we're living in difficult economic times. But I made the commitment to make God my source, to believe the Bible, and to trust God with my money. And when I started to do that, it wasn't long after that, that uh, I was walking down the road, passing a flower shop, 
and I'm making a longer story a little shorter, and they can read more about it in the book. I had wrecked and totaled my car, by the way, so I was now on foot, because it wasn't long after I made the decision to obey God that Satan hit me with everything. And that's important. The devil's not a giver. He's a taker. He's a stiller. He's a thief. God gives. Man hoards. Satan steals. And you know, you said a key thing. The moment you hear a truth, but it isn't really in your heart, the devil tries to remove that truth by having a tragedy hit you in that arena, that same arena. Absolutely. I call it, I call him the faith stiller. He's a faith stiller because he's after your faith. Because we know God's moved by faith according to Hebrews eleven six. So I took a step of faith, but it, it was not a step without opposition. So it wasn't long. I mean, I wrecked my car, and now I'm saying, God, I don't understand this. I'm obeying you about my money, and now I've got a totaled car. But something rose up inside of me. I had come to the end of my rope, and I had tried everything I knew to do in the natural. That's why I'm glad I'm talking to you today, because this is supernatural. I decided I would trust God. I would believe God, and I continued to plant into his work that $20 a week, I never stopped. And it wasn't long after that, I was now on foot walking. I passed a flower shop, and God spoke to me. And God said, I want you to go buy your fiance some flowers. Now, she's my wife today, but this was, uh, she was my fiance at the time. I walked across the street. I walked into the store. And uh, please listen up right now, because this is an incredible supernatural testimony. It's really unbelievable, even as I'm telling it right now. I still, I'm still moved by it. But I'm walking into the store, and I'm looking in a it's, like a... it's like a cabinet with no flowers, but it looks like flowers should be in there. And, I, and a man came up to me, and I said, I want to buy some uh, red roses. He says, we don't have any. And I looked at him, and I said, because it's a flower shop I'm at, Sid. This is a flower shop. And I looked at him and I said, okay, I want to buy some carnations. He says, we don't have any. I said, well, I want to buy some kind of flowers for my fiance. And he looked at me and said, we don't have any. Now, I'm, I'm kind of amazed now at this point because I really felt like a few moments ago, God spoke to me and told me to go buy my wife flowers for my fiance. And now I'm in a flower shop that's void of flowers. Now I'm just, I'm thinking, well, God didn't speak to me. That was just me wanting, because, you know, I'm in love. God just wanted me to, I'm wanting to do something for my fiance. So I buy a teddy bear instead. I'm at the desk, looked across the desk with the guy exchanging monies. He looked at me and he said, what is it that you do? Now, nobody asked me that question before. I didn't know this man. It's the first time I ever saw him. I had just entered the financial arena. For the listeners that haven't been listening all week, I've been in the financial business for over 20 years, but this was the first I had just entered the business. And I said, well, I'm a financial advisor. I'm a financial teacher. He said, that's interesting. He said, I just received a lump sum early retirement. How would you like to manage my money? Within 30 days, I sat down with him I sat down with three of his friends, and within six months, God turned my financial world upside down. I had said I had more money within six months in my hands 
from making commissions and being paid fees than I had had in the previous 10 years combined. But had you not listened to that prompt of getting your fiancé flowers, you wouldn't have found the next step and the next step. Uh, you also talk about how timing is very important to God. When you sow is as important as what you sow. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 1 says to everything there is a time and there's a season. You never sow seed. A farmer never sows seed out of season. He doesn't sow it in the winter time unless it's winter wheat. But generally speaking, you sow tomatoes at a right time to reap a harvest at a right time. It's important to cultivate a heart to hearing the voice of God. I heard God's voice. I knew it was his voice. I obeyed his voice. And if I had not obeyed God's voice about the laws of seed time harvest and knowing that he would be good to me, I never would have planted that, even though it was so small, just $20 a week, it was so small. It was big to me because it was sown out of a need. It was sown out of a time when I couldn't even pay my bills. But when I did that, it literally become a seed of honor. I acknowledged that man could not provide for me, that I wanted God to provide for me. And when I obeyed his word, that's when my life began to change. I mean, it turned around. Really, within months, it turned around, and of course, that's been 20-plus years ago. I'm, I've been practicing that law now for over 20 years. I'm more blessed today, Sid, than I could ever have imagined. Uh, bri briefly, if someone gives because they have an unction from God to give, I expect results. What about if someone gives just because uh, there is, it's a good ministry to give to? Does it work also that way, too, the sowing and reaping? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, I think that any time you help others, especially ministries who are doing the work of God, who are reaching the Jewish people, who are preaching the gospel around the world, who are ministering to the broken and the hurting, you know, God commands us to preach the gospel in Matthew 28. And there are times when God will say to you, I want you to give this certain amount. But generally speaking, it's a principle. It's a principle. And so you can operate in that principle at all times. Todd, uh, you had the privilege of uh, getting to know Dr. Oral Roberts in his last years before he was promoted to heaven. And he told you so many secrets that you're using today. Tell me one. You know, Dr. Oral Roberts became a very dear and close friend. In fact, we would talk on the phone at least once a week, sometimes more. I've been in his home, stayed with him all day. He taught me so many things. Of course, God used him to bring about uh, his healing power, God's healing power to his generation. Taught me much about seed faith. Taught me much about the law of Genesis, the law of reciprocity. I remember I was sitting with him one day. We were eating lunch, and I looked at him, and I said, Dr. Roberts, I said, uh, what is your greatest lifetime discovery about Genesis 8:22? As long as the earth remains, there'll be seed time harvest. And he paused for a moment. He looked at me, and he said, my greatest discovery about Genesis 8:22 is sowing a seed for a desired result. He called it naming a seed. 
And I asked him to elaborate on this, and he began to talk with me about the importance of sowing and reaping, not just sowing seed, but expecting a harvest. As we all know, that any farmer who wants to reap a harvest, he has to find good soil because good soil determines the quality of the soil will determine the future of any seed. A seed by itself can't multiply. It has to have soil. Everything is a seed. Time's a seed. Thoughts are seeds. Words are seeds. You listening today on this radio broadcast is a seed. Every human on the earth is a seed sower and also a reaper. We've heard the reaping part in a negative sense. We've heard people say, you're going to get what's coming to you. You ever heard anybody say, what goes around comes around? Well, that's the law of seed time harvest working in a negative effect. If you can sow bad seed and get a bad harvest, then I believe you can sow good seed and get a good harvest. And it's important that we sow seed and know that everything's seed, not just our finances, but everything's seed. When we're good to our wives, that's a seed. When we're kind to someone, that's a seed. When we reach out to the hungry, that's a seed. And I think one of the greatest seeds we can sow is when we reach out to the Jewish people, because God says if we bless them, he will bless us. So we talked that day about seed time harvest. And he said, Todd, anytime you sow, make sure you sow with expectation. I said, uh, by, uh, by the way, Todd, I'm going to tell you something that you may not know. When Oral Roberts first started in ministry, do you know what kind of ministry he had? It wasn't a healing ministry. Do you know what it was? What was it? A Jewish ministry. Boy, now see, I did not know that. I, I had an idea you didn't, but go ahead. I want to I hear what he said that had such an no, impact no, on did you. Not, I did not know that. Um, so when we were talking about it, he said, it's not enough to sow a seed. You have to learn how to expect a harvest expect a harvest. You know, expectation is a magnifier of our faith. You know, your seed is what God will multiply, just like he does a farmer. A farmer, if he wants to multiply, he has to sow seed. If he sows a lot of seed, he reaps a lot of harvest. But it's not enough just to sow seed in good soil. You have to have expectation. This is real important, because Dr. Roberts looked across the table at me and said, Todd, when I sow my seed, he said, I forget about it. I no longer think about the seed. He says, my mind transitions to the harvest. He says, I think about the harvest. I dream about the harvest. I look for the harvest. He told me one day when we were on the phone, he said, Todd, you hold the seed. God holds the harvest. The difference in the seed and reaping a harvest is expectation. I would urge you today listening not just to sow seed, but sow seed with expectation. Matthew 7, 7 says, if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be opened. Matthew 7, 11 says, if you be an evil, talking about us, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask, seek, and knock? Or Roberts used to say, God is a good God. God is a good God. He would open his international crusades with this phrase, something good is going to happen to you today. This was important because he was building expectation. 
Expectation magnifies your faith. Expectation is the heartbeat of faith. You heard me say it a moment ago. I want to reiterate it. Your seed is what God multiplies. Your expectation is why he multiplies it. My life changed over 20 years ago when I got a hold of seed time harvest. Not just sowing a seed, but expecting God to be good to me. I would urge you with all of my heart today to make God your total source of supply. I have been in the financial business for over 20 years. I am a financial teacher. God has called me to teach biblical economics, not the system of the world, the system of greed, but the system of giving, giving to the gospel, giving to the good works. Help, help me out, though. There's something that I, I, I need to understand. When Oral talks about expectation, uh, give me a concrete example. You have just given uh, $100 to a ministry. Tell me what you do based on what Oral suggested as far as your expectation. I begin to think about what is the need that I have right now? What is it that I need God to do? It could be financially. It could be in my family. It could even be a healing. I've seen supernatural things, a list of them when people sow seed. But I focus on what is the need that I have. And when I sow that seed as an expression of my faith, when I sow financial seed, it's an expression of my faith because it took the best of my time, my day, my thoughts, my talent. I traded all of that, the best of me, for finances. When I bring a financial seed back to God, I'm acknowledging that he's Lord of my life. Okay, you, you, you na- what you said is you name your seed. Do you, between the day that you uh, give the $100 and you name your seed, do you think about that much? I do. If I'm needing a financial breakthrough, I say, God, I need a financial breakthrough. This is what I'm believing for. And I begin to look for financial breakthrough. I begin to expect financial breakthrough. I begin to believe that someone's going to show me favor. I begin to believe for a promotion. I begin to look for supernatural ways where God is going to bless me based on me obeying his word about sowing seed. I expect it. I believe it. And when I receive it, when I receive it, I begin to praise God and glorify him for that. You know, the Bible in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 13, there are 10 promises I call it the covenant blessing. Three things happened at Calvary. Number one, God saved us. Number two, God healed us. But number three, God broke the curse of lack. And I'm so excited. I'm I'm feeling stirred right now that I want to pray a prayer for you today because many are facing great financial dilemmas. Maybe you're facing something in your business or your family. But I want to pray over your life because I believe you need God to have intervene in your life right now and for a breakthrough to happen in your life. Father, I come into a covenant right now with my dear friend, my brother, my sister in Christ. I decree in Jesus' name, as they sow seed in obedience to your word, as they sow seed believing with expectation of a harvest, Lord, I pray that their business would turn around, finances would turn around, marriages would turn around, favor would explode in their life. I pray that this seed will magnify their faith and great harvest will come in Jesus' name. 
I want you to get his two books and CD. You're going to understand his greatest financial discovery, laws of increase and harvest, divine promotion, secrets of money that no one else will tell you, how a small amount of money will change your life forever. And he has such a supernatural gift of imparting great faith for you to believe for anything. We're coming into amazing times. I see it as the best time on planet Earth, the greatest revival the world has ever seen, but it's going to need millions and millions of dollars, and you're going to make a difference. Get these books, the um, anointing that is on Todd to teach in the area of finances will finally penetrate, and you will Get the results that God promises in his word of the two books and the CD available for a gift of $35. Shabbat broadcast. Let me pray over you. The Lord has blessed you. The Lord has kept you. The Lord has already smiled upon you. The Lord has already gifted you. The Lord has already surrounded you with his favor. The Lord has given you his shalom, his peace, his completeness, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body. In the name of the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. Ve <laughs> To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.